0: God wants you to take with you this morning. He says, return home and tell how much God has done for you. Now, I like simple instructions. I like simple sermons. This is a simple sermon. The sermon is that simple. Return home and tell how much God has done for you. And see, Jesus has to feel really good as a pastor because his audience listened. Right? Because we get this word, so. So the man went away. So, so this morning, my heart, and he, and he told all over town how much God had done for him. This morning, my heart is that you would hear from God, go and tell how much God has done for you, and then you would be like this man who was possessed by demons, and go and do what Jesus asked you to do. I mean, it's a pretty simple message. But there's something about this instruction. There's something about this order or this request from God that is challenging for His people today. I'm telling you. I mean, it's easy to talk about what's not right, but sometimes it seems so hard to do this very thing, to go and tell how much God has done for you. I'll be honest. As a pastor, now this is Pastor Steve, this isn't God right now. If you don't got anything to talk about... Is it because God's not talking to you? Is it because God's not doing things for you? Or is it just because you're not recognizing what God is doing for you? I mean, sometimes I I, I think we're convinced that God's not doing anything. We don't have anything to talk about. It's because we're not looking at what God's doing. We're looking at everything that's not right. We're not looking at the things that are right. We're looking at all the problems we have. We're focused on this and that. We're not focused on the reality of who God is and what God is doing. I promise you, God is good. That's His word. I promise you, God loves you. I promise you, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. I promise you, just as He promised in the Old Testament, He will not leave you and He will not forsake you. I promise you that God is doing something in your life that you can talk about. So go and tell. Go and tell of all that God is doing for you. I mean, we do have the same instruction. He said in Mark sixteen fifteen. he said to them, go into all the world and it says, preach the gospel. And we say, oh, I'm not a preacher. Gospel is simply good news. All you're supposed to be doing is going into all the world and telling of the good news to all creation. The gospel isn't something that we have to have a theology and a a three-point sermon. It's not something that that we have to have a degree or, or, or an ordination to do. The gospel is what God is doing in your life. The gospel is what you know God has done. The gospel, the good news, is what you... Don't tell me what someone else told you. Tell me what you know. Tell me what you've experienced. Tell me what you've seen. I promise it's more convincing when it's your experience than when it's mine. I can tell you about what God has done in other lives, but it's not as convincing as when I tell you about what God has done in my life. He says in Acts chapter 1, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We're simply called to go and tell. I mean, I said I like simple tasks. The simple task God has given you today is just go and tell. Now, what happened with that man? He had an encounter with Jesus before he went and told. And so if you don't have anything to say, maybe you need to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. So he experienced God, and then he was told to go Old Testament. Now we're going to go back to the Old Testament this morning. Uh, the story of Moses, and I'm going to try and do this in a way that is conducive to the smells coming from the kitchen. That means brief. Moses, he's leading God's people. They've come out of Egypt. They were in slavery. God did all these really cool things. He fed them. He, he took care of them. He protected them. He guided them. He brings them to a place. And Moses and the people of God are at Mount Sinai. And the presence and power on God is, is so great. There's clouds and lightning and earthquakes and all these crazy things. And Moses goes up on the mountain. Remember the story, Exodus, if you can look at it. Book of Exodus, it's about chapter 30 or so. Um, he goes up on the mountain. He's up there for how long? Does anybody remember? 40 days. If anyone asks you a time in scripture, go with 40 days. 40 or 3. I mean, you're going to be right, probably. That's just a pastor moment. moment. That's a Sunday school moment. Uh, anyway, um, 40 days, and then the people said that Moses was gone too long. He probably died because the presence of God was so powerful. So what did they do? They got all their jewelry, they threw it in a pot, and out from the pot came a calf, miraculously, is what they said, a gold calf. They began to worship the calf, calf under Aaron's uh, direction. Moses, apart from this Now, this is the part, God is, God is what? God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. Moses is up on the mountain. God is downloading the old covenant on Moses. It was a new covenant then, but it's the old covenant today. The wow, at the same time, God is talking to Moses about his promises for the people of God that Moses is leading. And the people of God are living in rebellion. I mean, it's crazy to me to think about what God is doing with Moses while His people are rebelling. I'm sure there's a sermon in that. I don't have it this morning. Just ponder that and think about it. So Moses comes down off the mountain, and he breaks the commandments because they were breaking the commandments, right? I mean, that's really what happens. Like the people had rebelled, so Moses throws down the commandments that God has given him. Uh, there's these, there's this plague that comes. They, the people die. I mean, it's Old Testament. It's, it's what God ha- happens in the Old Testament. But then there's a redemptive moment, right? Moses leads the people, they begin to repent, their hearts are changed. And Moses goes back up on the mountain a second time with God. So Moses is going back up. God says, I mean, it's like me saying, bring your pen and paper to church. God says, hey, get some more rocks and bring them up here so we can do these tablet things again. I mean, so we're going to restore everything that was broken. And while Moses is on the mountain with God, you know, I mean, again, these are remarkable moments. He looks at God and he says, God, these people aren't going to listen to me. They don't trust me. They're not going to follow me. God says, what can I do to help you with that? And Moses makes this request. What's the request Moses makes? Does anyone know? Let me see your glory. God says, you can't see it completely because if you do, you'll die. Anyone sees my face, you'll die. He says, I tell you what, there's a a mountain cleft over there. There's a a rocky place you can stand on. Just go face that. I'll say when, you can turn around, but don't turn around until I say when, so you can see my glory. I'll let you see just the hem of my garment. And I love this, because I think I'm going to preach on these verses for a few weeks in the future. Exodus chapter 34, we see the fulfillment of this promise. The Lord came down in a cloud, and he stood there with him, and he proclaimed his name. i tell you what, God is saying who he is in these verses. That's pretty cool to me. This is what God is saying, is Moses is hiding his face so he can't see. Now, I just picture this. God is coming by, and he's, he's telling Moses... Who is coming by? This is the moment that Moses asked for that he could see the glory of God. He passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord. There's something in that for you that God has in who he's declared he is. This is who God says he is. When Moses says, I want to see your glory. He says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands. And forgiving wickedness. Rebellion and sin. And you see that? Like. This is who God is proclaiming. Moses said I want to see your glory. This is what God is declaring. I'm the Lord the Lord. I'm the compassionate. The gracious God. I'm abounding in love. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands. Forgiving. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground and at once worshipped. This is the moment where Moses experienced the glory of God. Now, I'll get back to that. I just wanted to read it today because I'm compelled by how God describes himself. And I want to dig into those words in the future. Today I want to focus on what happened to Moses. So Moses comes down off the mountain. So when Moses comes down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware his face was radiant. Because he had spoken with the Lord. Pause. When you spend time with the Lord, you're changed. You may not be aware of it, but it absolutely happens. Because there's transformation in the presence of God. There's something that happens to you when you're in the presence of God. So Moses is coming down off the mountain. He is oblivious to the fact that his face is radiant. When Aaron and the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant. And they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him. He spoke with them. Afterward all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai, but when Moses was finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the presence of the Lord to speak well, the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out, and when he came out he told the Israelites what had been commanded, then he, they saw his face was radiant, and Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went to speak with the Lord. Now what happened with Moses? See, I talked about, now these probably aren't two two stories people connect together usually when they're preaching sermons. There was a demoniac and there's Moses, and we're comparing these two dudes. Both of them had an encounter with God that was powerful and transformative, right? Both of them, their outward appearance was physically changed by what happened when they experienced the presence of God. What happened with Moses? Why did Moses, the question I I wrestled through as I read these verses, why would Moses put a veil on his face? Like what caused Moses? Was this a God idea or was this a man idea? We just see that Moses, because his face is so bright and people are afraid To approach him, he begins to veil the transformation that happened from the presence of God. My supposition, my guess, is that Moses was motivated because of the fear of man in what God was doing. He didn't want to make the people uncomfortable. He wanted people to be able to approach him. He wanted to be able to have relationship with people. And the only way he could figure out to have relationship with the people he was leaving, leading, not leaving, the people he wanted to leave at times, but he was leading now, was to veil his face, to cover his face, because of what God had done in him. Are we putting veils on the glory that's been revealed to us? Luke chapter 8, what happened? The people saw the demon-possessed guy, and they asked Jesus to leave. Why? They were afraid. I want to tell you, That what God does in you, when he transforms you, when he changes you, it will make people uncomfortable. I want to tell you that people might be afraid of what God is doing in your life. I want to tell you, you shouldn't be surprised when people seem to step back from you because of the glory of God being revealed in your life. It's happened in scripture. I mean, they literally, in this moment, they saw a man who had been possessed by demons. He was so messed up that he lived in the tombs. He was naked and chained. Jesus delivered him, and they said, get out. The world won't be comfortable with the transformation God does in your life. They might even be afraid of what you're saying or what you're doing. They might be fearful of how you look, act, talk, walk. It shouldn't surprise you. I'm believing Moses put on a veil so he didn't make people uncomfortable. I mean, he takes it off every time he goes in the presence of God. He hears from God. He tells the people. And then the day-to-day life, the everyday life, when he's just Moses, he's not whoever else, he puts a veil on his face. Church, I believe we're doing the same thing. Jesus has simply said, Go and tell of the good things that I'm doing. Go and tell of what I've done for you. And rather than walking around with with an unveiled face, we put veils on our faces depending on our circumstance. Yeah, it's great when we go into the presence of God and we're around church people. We'll take that veil off and we'll talk all about all that God is doing. We'll talk about the promises of God. We'll talk about God. I mean, we had a men's Bible study. I'll never forget this moment. Men's Bible study, bunch of dudes, One morning, I believe, or one evening, there was this tremendous rainbow. And we're like texting each other. Did you guys see that rainbow? I mean, it was crazy. It was beautiful. It was powerful. Did you see God's love in that rainbow? I don't know that I went to the golf course and was talking to the guys at the golf course about God's beauty in the rainbow. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we can take the veil off when we're around people who understand us, but when we're around people who don't understand us, we're afraid to talk about the rainbow because they might think we're a sissy. We're more motivated by those that are around us than we are by the power of God in us and through us. He's called us a peculiar people. I want to tell you, you're strange. It shouldn't surprise you if people think you're odd. He says we are aliens and strangers in this land. That's in 1 Peter if you want to read it. That's how God describes us. We are absolutely a peculiar people. It shouldn't surprise us when people think we're strange. Yet, the veil. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, therefore, since we have such hope, We are very bold. Someone needs to hear that this morning. Are you very bold? We have hope in Jesus Christ. We just experienced all that God did for us. We talked about the body of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ and what He's done for us that should cause us to be a very bold people. We're not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull for this day, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. He said in Acts 1-8, I'll undo you with power, power from my Spirit to be my witness. We should have a freedom from the Spirit of God to be an effective witness of Jesus Christ. But many times we allow not freedom, but bondage to keep us from speaking what God is doing. And we all, who with unveiled places, we contemplate the Lord's glory. Moses, he contemplated the Lord's glory. He was transformed by the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God is transforming you into his likeness. God is transforming you to be a reflection of his glory. You're the light of the world. You see, the glory of the Lord, Moses shined, his face was radiant. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a boat. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. Listen to me. Your good news is light for someone else in darkness. Your good news is what may set someone free. Your good news is what may help someone see. Instead... They put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Your light is important. You know, sometimes I believe, church, that we diminish our testimony, that we don't want to tell our story because it's not as cool as someone else's. We don't want to talk about ours because we don't have the remarkable story of being addicted and, and whatever else and being delivered in the moment. I want to tell you your story is powerful and effective. Your story, what you've seen, what you know, is absolutely transforming. Your testimony is light. For someone else. Listen, look, listen to how powerful your testimony is. I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed him, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and what? They triumphed over the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Your testimony is a powerful weapon within the eternal battle that God has. It is victory over the enemy. Your testimony is victorious. They didn't love their lives as so much as to shrink from death. What's your story? What gospel do you have to tell? Hang on out there. What has God done for you? We were reading Psalms in men's Bible study. In the Psalms it says that it was talking in, in Psalm, I think it was 148, in about everything crying out to God. The the heavens declare His praises and, and the mountains declare His praises. Jesus says even the rocks will cry out. I'm telling you, God's done good things if you just look for them. We have to recognize the good things that God is doing. We ended Psalms, Psalms for Men's Bible Study. That was a, a long process. We completed it. I just want everyone in church to applaud that we made it through 150 Psalms together as a men's Bible group. We, we churned through that. We worked through it. And it ends with, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. What's your story? You know, as a pastor, probably before I get into my series, I want to spend time hearing our testimonies. I want to hear what God has done in your life. I want to spend time as a body celebrating the things that God is doing. There's power in your story. And I don't care if your testimony is, man, I woke up in the sun, it just spoke to my heart. I could feel the presence of God, the goodness of God in that. I'm not really worried about what the story is because it's the good news that you've experienced in the presence of God. And there's power in your story. And we need to, as a body, We need to, as the body of Christ, get better telling our story. And if we've got veils, if we're afraid, if we're intimidated, then I'm going to put you in front of a congregation to share to get all that out. Because nothing's more intimidating than a bunch of people that you know looking at you and wondering if they're thinking what they're thinking. So why don't we just get our veils out here so we can get our veils out there? Why don't we start telling each other our story? Why don't we start declaring what God has done? Why don't we start looking for God in everything? In the rocks, in the heavens, in our lives, in our children. In the coincidence, in the circumstance, God is good. You guys can come forward. Gonna be kind of a loose ending. <laughs> I guess maybe not. Going backwards. This morning, if you say, I don't have a story, if you say, I need the presence of God in my life, I want to open the altars so you can experience His presence. If you say, Man, you're like Moses, I have doubts about where I'm at, and I just need God to show me His glory, and that's the request of your life. I want you to be able to do that in these next few moments. That you would have the opportunity. Because I said, when we experience his presence, we're transformed. And if you don't have a story, maybe you need to experience his presence. God loves you. He cares for you. He wants you to be filled with his love. So if you've never experienced that, I want you to have that opportunity today. If you have experienced that, but you're saying, Pastor, I feel like Moses and and everything's going wrong. I mean, think of that. Moses standing before God, the people he led built a calf to worship another God while he was gone. I mean, he's probably feeling pretty down on his leadership ability. I pastored a church split, and everybody hates me, and they're following Aaron, and they're not even following the same God. I mean, seriously. And God spoke to him because he knew he needed the presence of God. He said, what do you need? What, what is it that you need today? And, and Moses said, I just need to experience your glory. Maybe today you're questioning, you're wondering, and you just simply need to experience His glory. There may be a spot in the sanctuary where you can go. There may be a friend in the sanctuary that you can pray with. You may want to come up with, Pastor, and pray with me today. But I desire that you would experience the goodness of God so you have good news to tell. If you say, I'm okay, Pastor, my desire is that you would think of your story. What would you say today if someone said... (laughs) What's the good news? What's your story with the God that you're following? You know, I I want to lay down. My back hurts so bad right now. And I I want to separate myself at times from what God wants to do. And and sometimes when, when we're in pain and sometimes when things aren't going the right way, it's hard to talk about the goodness of God. But what I know is that my God is good. And what I know is that my God is with me. What I know is that God will not leave me or forsake me. What I know is that God is ministering to me even in the midst of my pain. What I know is that He'll give me strength in the midst of my weakness. So let's not talk about my hurts. Let's talk about my healer. Let's not talk about what's bothering me, but let's talk about the One who is with me, the One who is near me, the One who won't leave me, the One who who loves me, the One who takes care of me, the One who has given me everything that I know, the One who has brought me to a place that I never would have found. The one who is using me to touch lives of people that I never would have known because I'm walking and talking with Him. The one who made the sun rise today. The one who put the stars in the sky that make me all at night. The one who who sent His Son so He could have a relationship not with everyone, but with me. This isn't fabricated. There's power in your testimony. And my back doesn't hurt right. if my back hurts tomorrow, it doesn't change what God just did in this moment. Because see, I was giving Him glory. And I was focusing on His love. There's power in your testimony. What's your story? God, I thank you in this room. I thank you for You. And that through Jesus Christ, You said that You are the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father but through You. We've celebrated the table with You. You've given us the remembrance of our entrance into Your presence this day. And God, I pray for each one of us in this room that we can stand before You as Moses did, that we can cry out for You to show us Your glory. If we've been troubled, if we've been burdened, if we've been oppressed, by demons or sin or doubts or fears that you could speak to us this day and they would go in the name of Jesus Christ. And that when we get home, when we leave this place we go and tell of all that you've done and God I pray for a so this morning so we went so we went and we did God what you're asking us to do we knew what you'd done we knew the experiences we knew the love that was revealed and we went and told God use us to be the light of your world use us to reflect your glory as they lead us in a chorus I'm going to open the altars up I'll be here to pray whether it's about the sermon or an issue in your life, would experience His glory. I'm also going to pray for the meal because I'm going to guess we'll start setting up for that. God, we thank You that we have a meal today and that we have the body of Christ that we can be with. Season our conversation with Your goodness and love and allow us to be blessed in our fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen.